Coming up, the return of Rosillo, lots of trades, lots of fake trades next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by Honey Stinger. This is a show about sports and culture opinions, but right now I want to talk sports facts, the data, the stats. Honey Stinger, sports nutrition, trusted by more than 1,500 pro and college teams. That's right, 1,500. That's all 32 pro football teams. That's 39 pro basketball teams, 29 pro baseball teams, and more that prepare, perform, and recover with the delicious taste of Honey Stinger's energy waffles, chews, gels, and bars. Honey Stinger is the one team's trust. Use code Simmons for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. That is S-I-M-M-O-N-S for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra. My go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game. Right now, than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at McLobeUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. I put up a new rewatchables last night. We did National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Me, Sean, CR, Van, super fun. Check out all the... uh, Ringer.com end of the year stuff that we've been doing. We have had some good basketball pieces too. We have really, really, really good basketball stuff. Uh, We've done a lot of end of the year stuff, both on the website and on the podcast network. So um, if you're you're jonesing for some end of the year stuff, we have it. Coming up on this podcast, Ryan Rossello, he hasn't been on in a while. We'll talk about that. We usually wait until the second half of the year. We couldn't this year. Too much going on. We're going to make up a lot of trades. I hope you're ready. Hope you're sitting down. First, our friends from ProJet. All right, taping this Tuesday morning Pacific time. Our friend Ryan Rosillo is here. We're going to make up a bunch of trades, try to fix some teams. Before we do that, we're going to talk about the Timberwolves because they are the story of the year right now. They had a great win against Miami last night. I was coming up from Knicks Lakers and we talked on the phone and you were like, you've got to watch the fourth quarter. You've got to watch it. You've got to see what happened in that game. Minnesota looks like a team that can make the finals, Rosillo. I don't think this is fluky. They're 20 and five. Uh, they play defense better than everyone else in the league. They have a guy who believes he's the best player in the league, Anthony Edwards. Whether that's true or not, he believes it. And they've gotten the Towns Go Bear thing going. They have a bench. Can this team make the finals? Yeah, I think they can. You know, it still feels like, is it because you're more open-minded about what the West really is, you know, in comparison to those other years where it's like, how is anybody beating Golden State, you know? So when you look at the West, you go, is Denver this insurmountable thing or... You know, is Oklahoma City going to add a piece, you know, which we'll mess around with today a little bit, you know, or are you completely writing off Phoenix? So it, that's how we're talking about the other three teams. And I think it would be dismissive to say Minnesota can't win the West. So I, I'm not going to say that. 
Uh, I think the town's Gobert thing, like whenever Gobert is in the middle of the paint, you're like, okay, well, how how is that going to impact a guy like Anthony Edwards getting in the hoop? Like, is that actually going to get kind of in the way? And the way that he stepped up defensively, the way he made Bam think about his decisions, and the fact that they can interchange Towns and Nas Reed as these huge spacing bigs and Gobert, you know, kind of covering for Towns defensively. And then I think one of the the credits to all this is like, Towns probably reluctantly at some point, maybe last year, going like, oh, I guess this Anthony Edwards guy is better than me. And mm. and having the right personality to make it work. Because I'm not sure that Towns, like I would have bet that Towns would be totally cool with that. And then you throw in Jaden back defensively, like what we saw them do against the Wings for Boston. I even think Alexander Walker stepped up his defense where when yeah. Daniels was out, it was like, hey, that's not a total loss either. And, you know, Conley, who's a diminished version of himself, you know, was was huge last night with a couple big shots. So yeah, I'm I'm open to it. I'm I'm ready for it. I'm not sure that I'm predicting it, but I think writing them off would be dismissive after what twenty five games. You look at them and you go, I don't even really know what they need. I guess they could use point guard insurance with Conley, but yeah, definitely. Reed and Alexander Walker come in and they're really good. Kyle Anderson is a fun change of pace guy for them. It, the biggest thing is what you said with Towns that. Edwards not only is the force of personality of that team, but I, I think he really gets Towns going. I've heard, I've had a couple people tell me like he's he's kind of alpha with Towns, getting him kind of focused and centered. And I this is probably my favorite version of Towns that I've seen all year. There was a play in the fourth quarter yesterday when uh he had Butler on him and he just kind of bully balled him in the corner and got got like a 12 footer. But um the go bear piece. The fact that they figured out how to play him and Towns together, it seems, seemed inconceivable a year ago. I mean, we were talking about that as being one of the worst trades in the history of the league. I still think they badly overpaid. I don't know who else they're bidding against. I still think last summer, if they wanted to trade Gobert, they would have had to attach picks to it. That's how bad last year was. But it's been this miraculous turnaround. And I, I got to say, like, I haven't loved what I've seen from Denver. I'm still, if I, if, if, if it was at gunpoint, I think I would still pick Jokic in the West. But this Minnesota team is built to beat Denver. Whether they can do it or not, I don't know. But they have just bigs to throw at him for four quarters. They have a guy in Edwards who I think will really attack them and think he's better than them. And they might have home court too. They're 20 and five right now. They have a three game lead in the West. And they're 11 and one at home. And when you watch their home games, they, they have a real home crowd thing going now too. And I just, I, now that they're healthy, now that McDaniels is back, I just think this keeps going. That's my take. Yeah, because that's, you know, is Denver somebody that can coast? You know, we remember how bad they played towards the end of the regular season when it looked like Jokic didn't want Last the MVP. Yeah. yeah, and then Malone even got on their case. So you know, I think there's always kind of a, a benefit of the doubt thing that, that we should do with them. But at least Minnesota has size to disrupt whatever it is that Jokic is going to do. Like, he's probably going to have to set up a little bit differently. Like, some of those times where Jokic is like, all right, enough of this, and then gets a deep catch and just works you in the post, and the other team has no chance against it. Minnesota has a chance against it, like few other teams do. Yeah. So what I love about it, like, I'll watch some of these teams and go, like, Oklahoma City is a lot of fun. Maybe they're the second best team in the West, but they need another big. Like you need to be able to, as much as everybody's in love with like, hey, here's our seven or eight man rotation and this is who we are in the place and this is all we're going to do. Like Sacramento's too small for Denver. You know, Oklahoma City's probably too small for Denver. Dallas and, is too small for Denver. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, so 
And then I think Anthony Davis, if he's healthy, like I've seen games in the West where I go, all right, well, whatever the score was, was one thing, but like, how are you going to handle it? I mean, Golden State should still have nightmares about not having any other matchup option against Anthony Davis and LeBron getting into the restricted area at will throughout that series last year. Yeah. So when you watch Minnesota and you watch, you know, even the Bam stuff, that that catch and Bam's like, oh, like, what do I do? And Bam even got a couple to roll in or, or he would have had a disastrous fourth quarter. So I'm with you. I, I don't know. The headline of the pod is Minnesota's winning the whole thing, but you have to put them up there with every other team in the West. I don't know if it's an even chance. You know, again, I don't know what the odds would be, but at least I can visualize what it would look like, um, even even if it feels newer than than some of the other teams. You'd say, hey, they're absolutely a contender to win a title. I feel comfortable saying this at least: if they stay healthy, they're going to get the one seed in the West. I think that's going to happen. I mean, they're first in net rating with uh I mean, I'm sorry, when defensive rating, and I think that's going to stay that way. I mean, they're 106.6 per 100 possessions. One interesting thing with them, when Edwards and McDaniels, you know, they have those on NBA.com with the two-man, three-man, all the different lineups. Just the two-man lineup of Edwards and McDaniels is plus 13.8. And it feels that way when you watch them against good teams. The thing that scared me as a Celtic fan watching that, watching them lose that OT game to the T-Wolves was that Tatum and Brown just weren't getting the shots that they were happy with. Everything was contested with those guys because McDaniels and Edwards together when Edwards wants to play defense is so scary. But man, um, it's the story of the year. OKC, when we're going to make up some trades, I do think OKC, if they they really cashed in those picks and went after a couple guys, could go after them. I'm not giving up on Denver. But to me, as I look at both conferences, I, I can't take any contender seriously that doesn't have size. Because the size is back in such a big way. You look at the East, Boston, Philly, Milwaukee, and then Miami's going to be there. And then you look at the West, and it's Minnesota, and it's Denver. Um, and and probably OKC if they if they can add somebody. Other than that, um, you know, their they're, Lakers would be the other team. And we I don't know what their trade's going to be. Um, and then after that, it depends on, you know, whether this Clippers thing is for real, which was the other thing we have to talk about quick before we make up trades. Clippers have looked fantastic. They're just blowing teams out. And I think it's a honeymoon phase with Harden. I'm not buying it. Paul George and and Kawhi are healthy. They've been healthy the whole year. If you have all these guys together and you're telling me this is going to be the way it goes for seven months and everybody's happy, maybe I'll take that seriously for the playoffs. But we've just, we've been here with these guys in all these different ways. And, um, no matter what they're doing, I, I'm just, just grain assaulting it. How are you? Where are you right now with it? With, with which, I mean, wh- which part of it? What are you asking me? Well, we, neither of us like the hard to trade. Well, and now that the now reason, they the, look really good. The reason I ask it that way is because yeah, right now it looks awesome, but I'm never going to get that part of the, the back of my head to be like, okay, what's going to look like once we actually get into the playoffs? So, like, let, let's be fair to Harden here, okay? I take Harden's side on the contract thing, all right? I do. I don't know why a guy would ter- would give himself a $13 million haircut and then and then just, you know, which was weird because then he wanted credit for it, like, three different times. And then it was like, yeah, but you never actually extended, like, based on your argument and your position is that you were promised that you were, and whatever. You know, the Sixers are going to say they, they never promised anything, that, that he's out of his mind and there was a miscommunication with the whole thing, all right? So, 
Uh, the other part that I think is fair to Harden Did is Did you just that say the words, I take Harden's side? I just wanted to yeah. make sure I heard that correctly. Okay. No, I've, I've always, on the contract thing with this, I don't, look, we've watched the NBA. We've talked about it for a really long time. I don't think guys give up $13 million for no reason. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. So then when he first gets with the Clippers, and basketball teams seem to do this for whatever reason, they'll, they'll do something dumb because of feelings, knowing that it's a dumb thing. And to have Harden come off the bench because you can't have Westbrook play off the ball where it's like, all right, how long are you guys going to do this? So, yeah. you know, the plus minus fest for Harden in the beginning was a disaster. And then everybody's pointing it out. Like I reference it, but I know when I, even when I reference it, it's like, yeah, but if you watch this, like Harden's out there with a the second unit because, you know, they don't really want to disrupt Russ. But at the same time, like Lou wasn't going to do that. And now guess what? Look at the Harden plus minus stuff that he's playing with the better players. And now Westbrook, because Westbrook has to have the ball in his hands, which the Lakers are like, okay, this isn't going to work. Um, and he didn't want to come off the bench and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, now that he's playing with the better players, and I think the more important thing, like look at Kawhi's numbers in December. They're yeah. absurd. So if that's all clicking, and it was funny too, because like I was watching the Lakers in in the Dallas game, and I went, man, if the Clippers have all three of their dudes with George and Kawhi and Harden healthy, will they have enough if they're in a playoff series to hang up on the perimeter defensively? You know, granted, Vando's back and, and all that kind of stuff. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if they'll have enough options there defensively for this perimeter stuff. And maybe AD cancels it all out. So, yeah, it looks awesome. They figured out the hardened piece of it. He's finishing at the rim far better than he was like the first two weeks when he was there that showed this massive amount of decline. But it's all irrelevant to me unless they're healthy. It's it just it, it, they may end up with a great seed, but it's just a really hard team to buy. I mean, hell, Kawhi against Phoenix last year in the couple of playoff games he played, you're like, whoa, dude. Like, this is starting to look like 2019 Toronto Kawhi. Yeah. I went on Thursday night and I was stunned by how much better he looked than how he looked like two weeks earlier when I saw him in person. I mean, he looked like fast and explosive and just like five years ago Kawhi. So that, that was more interesting to me than the Harden piece because Harden's going to come and go. Right now, he's in shape. He's happy. He's looking good. But we we just know the roller coaster ride that that guy's at this version of him, the post-Houston version of him. I just don't trust it. We've never seen him happy for more than two months. They also, they lucked out with that Daniel Tice just being able to get another big body who at least knows where to go and what to do. You know, and they just, they just stole him as a buyout guy. You and I, it's... A, you know, we, 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 but we're tortured by the Tice minutes when he was in Boston, but he's at least like competent and they just kind of needed somebody who could at least just be competent, you know, and they didn't have that once, uh, once Plumlee went down. So the big thing though is, you know, they've had Kawhi and George healthy now for two months and we haven't seen that in, in how many years? Is it okay if I don't trust it? It's like Bradley Beal That's my could, point. Make, it, could I, make it one, one day before he got hurt. I just thought. The track history of if you just get hurt every year to just think, oh, it's not going to happen. The sugar be healthy. I just don't trust it. No, I think they could use another big. And Tyson's funny because it was just nice to be able to watch him get worked again. Like, I just wanted to see Tyson. Like, I know now with Draymond Green, we're like, we're in a different level of sensitivity of players assaulting other players. But yeah, like, how many times are you going to get hit in the face? Like, watching him with Boston, how many times he just would be on the baseline with his face all red, turning to the ref, being like, did you, you see not Chris see Paul? that? Chris Paul, like, <laughs> annihilated him last week, got a flagrant. Chris would never like, he that. just, they, he can't, Tice just takes more abuse than any player in the history of the league. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just glad the West Coast gets to experience. So just a heads up to Clippers fans, you're going to see it the entire time. So, okay, like, the whole point of me going, like, what are you actually asking me? It's awesome right now. It's awesome. And nothing helps your your scoring output more than 
facing the Pacers. I mean, my God, I'm looking at that score and be like, wait, they have 103 and there's like five minutes left in the third quarter. So uh, it, it looks really good. It looks, hey, all the good players are playing. It looks really good. You know, talk to me in May. The Pacers are like uh, one of those inside edition commercials where commercials where it's like the dark side of making the in-season tournament. Indiana thought that their <laughs> whole season was ahead of them after they made the finals and then they never won again. Um, it's just, it's the Lakers kind of, it seems like it broke them in some ways. And that's a team that is on my, uh, my fake trade list. Um, most likely trade guy for you. Let's go back and forth. We'll swap trade guys because it's trade season. It's mid-December. Some uh, some trade sort restrictions of. have come off the it, table. It, it's technically, but Bobby Marks had a great tweet of like, here's the number of December trades. <laughs> You're like... Wasn't yeah, a lot? Yeah, not really. Not really. Uh, I mean, I can find it again, but I think the number, I forget if it was zero last year or one, but yeah. So you want to do what? You want to go back and forth on most likely traded guys and then throw some trades at each other? And then we'll do some trades and some teams that we think, but I thought we'll just go back and forth with the most likely guys will end up with like a top six, but I'll let you go first. Who do you think is the single most likely good player to get traded over the next two months? I think it's Donovan Mitchell. Hmm. Cleveland's in a, you know, for a young team, we're sitting here talking about the Clippers as a health bet. The Cavs aren't supposed to be a bad health bet. And Mobley's going to be out two months. Garland has a broken jaw. You know, Mitchell's always good to miss a few games. And this was a team in the regular season last year that put up some really impressive numbers. You know, the best defense. You're like, okay, what are they going to look like in the playoffs? I'd already mentioned, like, you know, sometimes when I watch them in that Knicks series, I kind of think bigger picture. Like, are they going to be able to play the two bigs? So there seems like there's a bit of a power struggle here with what Mitchell wants, but it seems like no one around the league actually thinks he wants to stay in Cleveland. He's under contract next year. He's got a player option the year after that. It just, it feels like, with the way the Knicks are, like the Knicks are pretty good. I want you to talk about because you saw him in person last night. But it, it just, the tea leaves on this one seem to be pointing the direction that maybe Cleveland hits the reset button to try to get some assets before it gets uglier. And this is something that's been brewing before this season. We had Garrett Bush on this podcast, who's from Cleveland, who d does a, a show there. And he was saying, and this was in August, that nobody thinks he's staying there, you know? And I, I think that's what we've heard. I haven't heard anybody be like, no, no, you guys are wrong. He's staying. Everybody seems to think he's out at some point and they were doing, uh, this year was going to be the test year. Couldn't have gone worse. Mobley, I don't know how long he was hurt, but the the six to eight weeks for the knee surgery, um, I as, as you know, I'm always on the record. I, I never believe it's going to be, oh, he'll be back in six to eight weeks. I always feel like it's going to be worse than that. They weren't playing well anyway. And I think, think maybe what happens first if they think they have a chance to keep Mitchell is they change the coach. And if they don't think they have a chance to keep Mitchell, then they move on the Mitchell trade. But I'm with you. I think I had three Mitchell trades. And uh, I mean, it's going to be Miami or Brooklyn. And I think everybody uh, feels Wait, pretty Miami, confident. Miami or Brooklyn or New York? Well... We'll talk about New York. I, 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 th I would vote Miami or Brooklyn as my favorites because okay. especially after watching the Knicks last night, I don't know if that's a great move to use all their assets to get 
another small guard who needs the ball all the time. That team is pretty Brunson dominant, and Brunson's been excellent this year, but he has the ball a lot. And like to me, I I, I would want a big if I were them, or I would want uh, like a uh, like a shooter with length versus uh, just another small guard who needs the ball all the time. Now, if you get them at a 50% discount, I'm fine with that. But I, if I were them, that's not how I'd use my resources. Now, the Knicks are a little screwed because they they were headed, this summer, there was a point where it was like, we make a Giannis, we make it Embiid. Those guys have a chance to be super unhappy. Giannis doesn't want to sign an extension. Embiid's got this Harden saga. Um, now Harden's the happiest he's been in his entire career. And Giannis, they made the Dame trade, he signed the extension. So. The question for the Knicks is, are there is there a better asset coming down the road? And if we get Donovan Mitchell, is that really going to change our destiny? I think they're still too small. Robinson's out for a while. But even if Robinson comes back, I, j- I just don't think they have the size to compete against some of these big contenders. So how does Mitchell change that? I don't, I don't see how it would. Well, it doesn't. I mean, granted, the Robinson injury hurts, uh, I think. Tibbs, it's pretty clear how, you know, how great the organization feels about Hardenstein. And then, you know, they had Jericho Sims start a game the other day who may, you know, be only a rotational guy. Um, he's like, he's yeah. like a 12th man. I mean, yeah, Taj right, Gibson right. was playing fourth quarter minutes for them yesterday. Yeah. Once they signed Taj, I was like, okay, you know, this Tibbs is bad security. Yeah. Blanket back. So, you know, whenever we're talking about like the ball dominant guys, I, I'll admit, like I admit like you go, man, I'd, I'd love this awesome offensive player to also want to play with the other guys. So you're going, okay, wait. Like Halliburton style. Halliburton's can have the ball, but he also doesn't need the ball. Right. And like the Warriors spoiled us because you had all these terrific players that wanted to play with each other. And yeah, I would say that's probably the exception in the NBA. So there's two things like, okay, so you're taking it away from Brunson. That's probably bad because even though he's ball dominant, I mean, he was so good in the fourth quarter last night, like reading the screens, the Lakers couldn't quite figure it out. He rejects another screen, hits a floater. Like he played the screens and the switches like perfectly every single time. So like, all right, I, you want to take I that mean, away from I mean, you can make him? a case he's the hardest guard to guard in the league other than uh, Shea right now. This herky-jerky shit that he does, nobody seems to be able to get a feel for it. He gets the shot he wants every single time. So I don't know Come how on, having Mitchell would help him. I don't count Luke as a guard. You know that. Okay. All right. I know All right. What Just he making is. sure. Yeah. Just making sure. I am. A, it's sometimes it feels like mini Luca when you're watching Brunson, like this, because it, it's not. It's not necessarily fast. It's just that he changes his speeds all the time, and then you know, kind of just finds a way. He finds a way. Do you so, see his stats this year? For Brunson, I mean, which ones? He's he's forty eight, forty six, eighty are his splits. He's forty six percent from three this year. That's so, nuts. It's and. At the end of these games, he's just doing, getting whatever shot he wants. Anyway, go ahead. I interrupted you. No. So I think when you look at it, you go, well, wait a minute. If you plug Mitchell in here, and by the way, it's another small guard. The teams, you know, when it comes to the playoffs, they'll be like, okay, well, let's see how well this Brunson stuff works. You know, the Lakers even tried to blitz him at one point that I thought was like a little bit too late in the game because they were just letting him dictate everything. Uh, you know, like maybe Mitchell isn't the perfect fit, you know, like, you know, Mitchell can go off, but he also can get a little single minded, you know, at times we even saw that with Utah and stuff. So, hey, does that really fit? I don't think that's what teams do. I think teams go, hey, we have RJ Barrett, who is now seventh and fourth quarter minutes for the Knicks. I looked it up mm. this morning, like last year, no one spent more time tracking RJ Barrett fourth quarter minutes right. than I did in the world last year. You had like a, number one of those walls yeah. where you're just writing a magic marker. 
Right. And I'm kind of like, why, why do you keep doing this? I mean, that's, that's a significant drop. He was like at eight minutes in the fourth quarter, even though Tibbs would kind of sub him out strategically uh, because defensively he clearly doesn't trust him. Well, now he's seventh and you have yeah. to pay RJ all of this money. You know, it's 24, 26, 28, 29, 30, you know, so it's this massive extension that kicks in. And so if you added a piece with RJ, which is going to be one of my, my fake trades, you go, all right, fine. He's not perfect. And maybe there's not a perfect overlap of of usage because they're both high usage kind of ISO players and all this stuff. And then you have to make sure you still have the Randall possessions because he's fixed some things since the disaster started the season. I think teams just go. You look good last night. I think teams just go, okay, cool. Yeah, it's not perfect, but it's better. It's better. And we're removing, we're just, we're better. Now we're better because we have Mitchell instead of this. Like you, you talk about waiting around for the next mad star, which will happen and we will be surprised. But I don't know, like that's a tough, tough way to build a team and be like, hey, he's not perfect. So let's wait for the perfect guy. Like, are you sure about that? So the case for the Knicks trying to make a move in the next two months is they have these three 2024 Dallas, Detroit, Washington picks. All of them are protected. The Dallas pick is top 10 protected. So that's going to activate. The Detroit pick is protected all the way through 27. Probably you're not seeing that for a couple of years. Then the Washington pick is Basically, you're probably not seeing it until two years from now, but they have this window to try to trade those picks because the protections, who knows? Um, I just, I think there's better moves for them. Like, not to just turn this into a Knicks segment, but Ananobi's a free agent, right? If you're Toronto, why wouldn't you just flip Ananobi for Barrett and grab one, like one of those protected picks and just call it a day? You know, because I, li- I actually like Barrett. I think he's, you know, it's a weird... This isn't maybe the perfect team for him, but when I look at a team like Toronto, I actually think he'd play better for them. Plus, he's Canadian. They're going to lose Ananobi at the end of the year. They lost Van Vliet for nothing, which I still don't really understand that strategy. And I would, I would, to me, that's a trade that made the salaries match up. And if I were the Knicks, I would rather do that and see what it looks like before I then made the Mitchell trade. Who do you think is better, OG or Mitchell? Oh, Mitchell's better than OG. Right. But I, I just think Mitchell's going to cost a shitload of stuff. Like what what Cleveland gave up for Mitchell, you know, it was three firsts and two swaps and then Markinen was in that trade. Sexton was in that trade. But nobody liked Markinen and everybody was off of Sexton. At that I, I'm point. just saying, they, you you then can't just give him away for two firsts and a player. Like you, you're, they're going to be trying to get picks back. That's why I actually think, let's take a break because I think there's better Mitchell trades for them. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like McLoob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at McLoobUltra.com slash courtside. LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe Spring. On the way, warmer temperatures, more time outside, more time away from your home. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you're doing what you can to protect your place and get a Simply Safe home security system, comprehensive protection for your whole home, a great way to keep you and your loved ones 
safe. What if you're going out for Easter for six hours? You don't think the burglars are going to figure that out? That y'all y'all packed up your car at like 1130 on Easter and you drove off somewhere? Yeah, all they need is an hour. I'm not the only one singing Simply Safe's praises. Simply Safe named best home security system in 2024 by US News and World Report, recognized for the best customer service and home security by Newsweek. Protect your home today. I use Simply Safe and love it. My listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when they sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash BS. Don't wait. That is simplysafe.com slash BS. All right, coming back, we're talking about Donovan Mitchell. And I was saying I thought Miami and Brooklyn were the two candidates. You felt it last night in that Miami-Minnesota game. Hero is a good, good score. He's a 22, 23 points a game guy. He's not as good as Donovan Mitchell is. And if they had Mitchell in that game last night, that's a different Miami-Minnesota game. They have multiple places they could go. And it's basically the same, kind of the same stuff they were offering in the Dame rumors, whatever was true or not. But if it was Mitchell for Tyler Harrow, Jovic, who's lighting up the G League, I don't even know. I just know he's played G League games. And then you go here 24, 28, and 31st. Maybe there's some sort of swap in there. Um, that's a pretty good outcome for the Cavs because Hero would be able to replace a lot of that offense and is probably a better fit with. Garland. And I think you and I are both way more invested in the Garland piece of this. I've never loved the Garland-Mitchell combo. Um, I think that's as good as Miami would do. I would not put Hawkes in the trade if I was Miami. To me, he's just not trading him. No, I'm, I don't think you have to. I mean, you also have to figure out, like the whole reason for the Knicks on the first pass through with the Mitchell thing was they didn't really believe that there was a threat, right? So they were like, okay, fine, whatever. And then Cleveland comes out of there and then hands him a couple pieces that look even better now and then all the picks. But with Hawkes, he's not the kind of guy that gets included in this stuff. He just doesn't, unless you think that Brooklyn, New York, and Miami are all bidding and then it has to happen. But, you know, is Hero better than RJ? They're different players. I think what I like about the RJ is like his, that little spin move driving to the basket stuff is if you have a team of guys who are kind of outside the perimeter and then you have him pounding, it makes sense. It's just, I, with him and Brunson, it's a tiny bit redundant. And Randall, both Randall and Barrett have similar, like that spin kind of put your shoulder into them. Steph, I, I, I like Hero a little bit more. Yeah, I think Hero's the better player. Um, you know, there's, there's some numbers that would tell you this is the best Barrett's played for a while, but yet he's playing less minutes. Yeah. You know, he's he went, he was around 35 minutes a game for about three years and now, He's at under 30, technically. I think quick, the fact that quickly, last night, I mean, quickly was great last night. That's the other thing with Mitchell to the Knicks. Like, quickly does some of the stuff you'd expect Mitchell to do. You know, he's not as good as Mitchell is, but I just don't think that's what they need. Um, the Brooklyn trade is the one that I think makes the most sense to me because Brooklyn's in a weird spot where they don't have any of their picks. So if they're doing any sort of trade, it, it makes sense for them to improve, not go backwards. And they have, you know, they, they have a shitload of stuff still. They have the 27 and 29 Phoenix first. They have uh, the 29 Dallas first. They have a Philly pick. Um, they have Cam Johnson, who's eligible to be traded in a couple weeks. So they could put together like Cam Johnson, Cam Thomas, two Phoenix first, the 29 unprotected Dallas first. And, and, take Mitchell down. I think they have the most to offer and then he gets to stay in New York 
him and Bridges together. And that's not nothing. And then they just sign him to an extension. I mean, he went to school in Connecticut. I think he wants to be in New York and that they just have more to offer than the Knicks do. Well, they have the picks and they're not, they don't feel like they're disrupting anything either. Right. Right. Like it doesn't feel like with the Knicks conversation that we just had, you're going, okay, how does it fit? And I still think it's important to keep hammering this point. Like I think front offices go, Hey, it makes us better. It makes us better. We know that Mitchell, his ceiling scoring in the playoffs is beyond a ton of players in this league where if you're the Nets, last year was like a little fluky because remember they'd had, I think 11 games over 500 head start when then they tore it down. Yeah. And so you kept looking at the seating being like, Hey, they're still around. They're still around. It's like, yeah, they'd actually built up a bunch of wins and that's why they're going to be in the playoffs. And then Bridges goes off. And I think Bridges has, has been better, you know, after kind of a start of like, wait, was that a little fluky? Like him being the number one option? I mean, it certainly was like nobody's going to build their team and say, hey, Bridges needs to be the number one overall option. Um, but <clears throat> they have, I would say Finney Smith's available. Royce O'Neal's clearly available. Dinwiddie's clearly available. Do any of those things get you more excited than R.J. Barrett or Tyler Hero? Of course not, right? Right. So you're saying if you're going in, you're going in for Mitchell if you're Brooklyn. Also, like, if you know, I I feel like after the top, after Boston, Philly, Milwaukee, the four seed's kind of available right now, you know, and it could be the Knicks, it could be whoever, but uh, the East isn't as good as the West. I don't know. I, I, if I were Brooklyn, I would do it because, um, I don't really care about the picks down the road. I feel like they've lost all of their relevance. You know, they, they were going toe to toe a little bit with the Knicks. And now it's, when's the last Nets conversation you have? They're probably in the top five teams I've watched the least on league pass. I just don't care. <laughs> I'm just not that interested though. So you put Mitchell on there. I'm a little more interested. I have a dark horse for you though. You might have written this down too. What about New Orleans for him? What if, what if I offered you CJ McCollum and Dyson Daniels in my 24 first and I gave you that Lakers pick they have that you can take it this year or next year? You know what? I'll even throw in my 27 bucks first and I'll take Donovan Mitchell back. And now I'm ready to go. I got Hopefully, fingers crossed with Zion that he might be in shape in two months. I got Brandon Ingram and I got Donovan Mitchell and I got length all over the place. I can spare Daniels because I have other swingmen who who can defend. Uh, I got to keep Jordan Hawkins and I'm just, and I kept Valanciunas and, and Murphy. I kept Nance and I'm, I'm actually ready to contend now. I have options at the end. I have three guys I can go to at the end of the game that can score. Like, why wouldn't they get in this? I guess because maybe because they would think they we can't re-sign them in two, in two years. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the fun part of the marketing conversation is that all of these deals, like at least Brooklyn, Mitchell would stay. New York, Mitchell would stay. Um, and look, he's got the player option a third year from now. So, you know, sometimes yeah. we talk about Mitchell like he's just expiring and maybe Cleveland's like, you guys are making too big of a deal out of this. We still have him under contract for next year. Uh, Miami, he would likely stay. It seems to be that he would be into that. New Orleans always has to worry about this stuff. Like CJ's fine in New Orleans. You know, Dyson right. Daniels is probably, there. yeah, Dyson Daniels is probably fine in New Orleans. If I'm giving you Dyson and CJ, and I would be tempted to say yes, because to the original Knicks point, even if it's not a perfect fit, does it raise our offensive ceiling in a playoff series? Well, with yeah. Mitchell, it does. Um, beyond CJ, beyond Daniels at this point. But if I'm giving you Daniels and CJ, you're not getting three picks from me. 
No okay. way. So what if it was CJ and Daniels and I'll give you the, I'll give you my 24 first and I'll give you that Lakers pick. I feel like I personally have too much invested in Daniels, but this is the whole point. If you have all this depth, you have all these players, you've drafted so well, you still have Go Hawkins. On somebody. You, still, you still have Najee. You know, you still yeah. have Herb Jones. You have the wings that can cover, you know, the wings have had to cover defensively for CJ, so they can certainly cover for, for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I'd be really tempted to do it, but I'd have to hear from Mitchell and be like, hey, can you be into this for, for this year and next? Can you be into it? Because <laughs> can, can I tell you, <laughs> can I tell you something else even beyond that? I kind of like the Cavs more with CJ and Dyson Dados than with Mitchell. I don't know that I love the CJ Garland thing. You just got smaller and they were, they were already pretty small. <laughs> well, you but, and I both you know, love Daniels. I would love to see him. Ultimately, your, your team down the road is Garland and Daniels as your backcourt, which makes way more sense in my head, you know? But yeah, I, I but, just, I want to see Daniels play and... And uh, here's another thing to add that to that too. And like, this isn't necessarily a knock on, on Mitchell at all. It's more about who CJ is as a guy and the fact that he's bought into new Orleans and it's been so inconsistent, you know, other than that stretch last year, you know, when they were healthy and everything looked really good. And you're like, dude, this team, like I thought they were the deepest team in the league at one point. I feel like there's a real value to CJ that maybe we don't understand as much from the outside with all the bullshit. Yeah, Yeah. There's a lot of bullshit that you deal with and it's important to have that adult. It's like the Conley thing for Minnesota. Yeah. Like, all right. We've got all these other personalities, a couple of young dudes, you know, go bears own battles. And, and so you've got just a very calming presence. Who's been through a lot of stuff who understands what it's like to be a veteran. Would Mitchell be that even though I would, you know, head to head, there's no conversation about CJ versus Donovan Mitchell. Which, you know, I don't think that's breaking news. I just became enamored in my head about, a crunch time with Mitchell and Zion and shape and Brandon Ingram all out there at the same time. Just what that would look like. Uh, I do have an announcement though. That is, this is now the eighth straight season that I've made up a fake trade with CJ McCollum in it, which broke my own personal record. Uh, (laughs) congratulations to me. Congratulations to him. It's really, we really have something special. I've just figured out every year how to work them into, uh, into a trade. So there you go. Um, all right, so out of all those teams, what's your favorite? What's your favorite Mitchell fit? Brooklyn? No, because it's just him there with nothing necessarily. Like, I, I look, I know Bridges is better. They have a class and decision to make. You know, you're like, okay, what do we really want to pay this guy? Um, so you want you him know, on the Knicks then, it sounds like. You're ready for the Knicks to just say, fuck it. I am. I am. And I know it's okay. not perfect. And I know it means sacrifice from players that are usually at their best. Not necessarily sacrificing a ton, but you know, having one guy initiate that pick and roll over and over and over again at that size for Brunson, as great as he is, against more intense defense and in the playoffs is a bit of a concern. But look, I thought Cleveland, because they had these two on-ball guys in Garland and, and Mitchell would work against New York, and then that didn't work. But I also think it gets back to kind of the stuff that we were, you know, at least it's a theory with the Mobley-Allen stuff, being like, will that work in today's game? Um, I, so we're I thinking just, like like Fournier is expiring, RJ Barrett, and then the Knicks have all their own first, 24 through 30. So what, three of those? I would I would build it around RJ. Um RJ, and, 
Because you have to Dallas. make a quickly look. They have to make a Hartenstein decision. Not you know, they him. have right, but they've got to pay him. Quickly's a restricted free agent, so they'll match. You know, the Knicks, so they'll match whatever with with quickly. Right, but they, the Knicks have done a really good job here. You know, as far yeah. as like picking, especially picking a little bit later and just finding guys. And it's you know at times with Grimes and even McBride, they've got Hart and DiVincenzo. Like they're just guarding you to death, but it's a bunch of smaller players. I would be like, you know what? We've done a really good job. Let's just start moving some of these pieces. And if it means it's two picks, I don't think it's three picks. I think the price has gone from three to two picks, but it also depends on these picks. Like all of these picks that have been moving around, Bill. Like when you yeah. start looking at them and you're bringing up the pretension, uh, protection, a lot of times you're like, oh, wait, so I'm going to end up with like a 22, a 25, and a 27. Right. Like, wait, like what happened? Oh, Thank this you. one now became two second rounders. Like yeah. that's not as. I liked it better when it just said I had seven firsts coming in. I didn't realize that six of them were going to be in the 20s. Right. But I think that's what we discover as we actually get closer to these picks being being carried over. So, yeah, I'm more on the Knicks thing. It sounds like you like the Brooklyn thing and starting over with Bridges and Mitchell because they have no buzz. So you would say, hey, if if you're like, is what's the piece, though, that matches R.J. Barrett? It, even as flawed or, hey, R.J. maybe isn't the guy. And maybe, you know, I kind of like him still a little bit, too. I'm with you. I did, too. I, I don't know what player piece matches RJ and then it becomes a dueling pick thing. And is the third first with protections trump the two firsts with with a worse player? So it wouldn't be Cam, a Cam Johnson, Cam Thomas combo for you plus picks? I'm not, like, in, the Cam Tom, I'm not in the Cam Thomas business. Okay. I get in the Cam Johnson business. I'm not in the Cam Thomas business. So your number one guy that you thought was going to get traded was Mitchell. Mine is DeJounte Murray. I think that okay. happens. I think right. they keep Trey Young. Um, I just think they're too far. To, Trey Young is like the house that they've been rehabbing for five years, and now they just can't sell it. They just got to like, we. this house might be nice someday. We can't, can't, we can't get out of this. We just got to do it. Um, the, this Murray-Young thing doesn't work. They they gave it a whirl. I was in on it this year. I thought I liked the Atlanta over, which I think was 42. I thought Quinn Snyder was going to unlock some stuff and you watch it and they're just, defensively, it's just a no-go. And Murray's a point guard. I don't, I don't think he can play off the ball. And I think they have to move him. So my favorite Murray trade, buckle up. I like the Rockets. And I think the, I think they're too young at the Jalen Green Jabari spots, but I they're in these games and they're just either too inexperienced. And I, I just kept thinking, like, if I'm Atlanta and I can get Jalen Green and I can get Old Depot's expiring and throw me the uh, Brooklyn 2024 first that you have, and I'll give you DeJounte Murray. And now you're putting DeJounte Murray in that Jalen Green spot. And now you're gonna say, well, they're too small again. And he was just too small in Atlanta. And now you have Van Vliet and DeJounte Murray as your backcourt. I just like the fit more than what they have now. And uh, and I still really like him. I, I think, I, I I like the idea of having two ball handlers with, with Shangoon and um, they've got some size on the wings and I just think they'd be better. And if I'm Atlanta, I Jalen Green's 21 years old. And if I could turn Murray into him in a pick, like a, a really good high-end uh, first-round pick, that Brooklyn pick will be top 15 unless they trade for Mitchell. Kind of like it. Is this about getting Jalen Green out of Houston's closing group? 
Yeah, which the other move they could make is just not have Jalen Green in the closing group. I wonder and, if and he may Tyree Eason and just yeah. say, you know what? Tyree Eason is better for this closing group than Jalen Green is, and we just have to admit it. Yeah, because Jalen Green, like, I'll look at it, and I was going through the D'Angelo Russell stuff because he's going to come up at some point today where you're like, man, D'Angelo Russell took, like, 20 shots a game for the Warriors when he was there. Like, in what world would any team be like, hey, we right. want you taking 20 shots? And for as bad as Houston was, it wasn't the end of the world that Jalen Green took 18, but I don't know if he's going to be an 18 or 19-shot-a-game guy. And you know, the best versions of green are these insane drives. He gets by everybody. He hangs in the air. He does this thing where he kind of likes to float to his left and then try to scoop it underneath you. And when it works, it looks like one of the best drives in the league. And when it doesn't, yeah. you were like, what did you think was going to happen when you took off? Uh, I still hold out some hope for Jabari. You know, maybe he's never going to initiate enough stuff on the ball. Um, but I know he competes. I know he defends. The shooting numbers have been better this year. Yeah, I like Jabari. But you know, Shingun's development and then all of green shots, not all of, but a chunk of green shots going to Van Vliet, going to Brooks, where the ball isn't in Jalen Green's hands, where it's he and Kevin Porter Jr. just going back and forth the whole time and everybody just watches. And Jabari Smith's like, you know, am I ever going to get the ball? I think it was kind of cool that Shingun, I've seen times this year where he gets the ball deep and last year he would have thrown it back out to the guards. And now he's kind of like, nope, I might actually be the best player on the team. <laughs> right. So I'm going to keep going with it. And to your point with Tari Eason, if you already have the on-ball stuff with Van Vliet and Brooks, like I think Green gets lost because he just doesn't have the keys the way he did last year. Yeah. So all it, the stats are down. I mean, he's forty percent field goal, it's thirty-three percent three-point. Um, he's he has these. He'll have like a two for twelve, a three for fourteen. Um, there's the ball seems to find him in these uh, crunch time moments and. I just think he needs to be on a not that good team where he can make his mistakes and figure out who he is. This team's almost like too good for him. He's 21 years old, you know? I, I want, that's why I was thinking like, could, could it be Charlotte? Um, could it be um, a trade like this? But like where he goes to Atlanta and he's next to Trey and maybe figures it out there. But um, I like the idea of Murray on that team. What, if, is there a better Murray home that you have? I don't. I don't know if the Lakers could, like, the Lakers aren't going to have anything. Yeah, it's like they're 29 first. They try to talk you into the Max The 29 Christie. first. Like, say that again out loud. Yeah, Hood Shafino, <laughs> you know. I mean, unless you, like, get get Reeves, unless you wanted to get into some kind of Reeves conversation. But I think Murray, now that would eliminate the D'Angelo Russell part of it. You know, Gabe Vincent hasn't played a ton this season, which I yeah. think was probably part of the hope of having Gabe Vincent take some of that responsibility away from Russell when these games start to matter a little bit. But I think Murray is able to defer enough. He's had to figure it out with Trey, even though they stagger them still. Uh, I always thought, I, I just don't know that the Lakers are going to have the assets, but I think he's somebody there that his overall game is solid enough that he would find a way to fit in as opposed to getting in the way of guys where I think Russell gets in the way. Would you think Nick's at a, a cheaper Mitchell price and you just go and you get uh, DeJounte Murray instead? I'd be open to it, but I don't know that Atlanta's going to do that with a team that's kind of in front of them in the yeah. East. Like, what are you going to get back that makes you think you're better than, you know, if you're Atlanta? Like, I, I like how you're even discussing the Jalen Green thing, and I know you're going to get a ton of shit for it, like as if, okay, you just pick Houston and, you know, this guy that goes top three in the draft, you're just moving I, on I from this I think Houston's quickly. good. I, I, I think if they improve that spot, I think they have a chance to be you know, a top six team in the West. They can't win on the road. 
but they're in these close games where, you know, it's like, it seems like their games come down to two, three plays sometimes. I can't believe how good they are defensively. I mean, this yeah. Ime stuff is incredible. And Ime is probably the perfect group for this, the person, perfect guy for this group. But, you know, so is, this is why you overpay Van Vliet. This is why you overpay Brooks because nobody's taking your free agency money anyway. Brooks has been really to. good. I, I really, I think this is the best version we've seen of him. Um, it's still a massive contract, but that's what you have to pay yeah, if you're Houston and you're not any good. And you're like, all right, we'll overpay you because we need to overpay you to get you to say yes to us. So I, I'm so impressed with Houston and I'm impressed with like, oh, wait, they've got that guy. Like we haven't even brought up Eamon Thompson yet. And there's times where physically he looks like the most gifted player on the floor the whole time. So does that open up something for him? Like Houston probably needs some kind of stretch power forward more so than they need a DeJounte Murray. Yeah. But DeJounte would be somebody where you you'd go, okay, well, like I know exactly what I'm getting. But like I have a Cade one that's stupid because the default rule is that no teams are ever trading these guys. Like the Pistons can't actually trade Cade Cunningham. You know, Houston, it's maybe not as much because they've turned things around and they're not the nightly disaster the Pistons are. But I think front offices are scared to death to be like, yeah, we already so moved on. Haunt them. Yeah. Right. From a top three pick that was this young. And we we just moved on. But yeah, I think the, the green stuff would be nicer if it looked a little bit better. And the same could be said for Kate, despite Houston's, his career high. Houston's eleven and one at home and two and ten on the road. Which is really bizarre. Like that's a stat like out of the uh out of the nineteen eighties. I think Murray goes somewhere. I mean there it's an Orlando conversation we could probably have here where you know, Orlando's got some picks. They have some stuff. They have contracts that are pretty easy to trade. They could take a contract back. Um, but Orlando's 16 and nine. Not, I'm not sure I would mess, mess with them yet. I think they're in a bad situation with Fultz, who just seems like his knee's just not getting better. Um, and Black's a rookie, and it's going to be a while for him. So over and over again, they have to close with these Anthony and Suggs, basically as as their crunch time lineup. So you put Murray in there and he kind of fits with the identity of the team that they have. But I don't know if that would be the move. I'd make. If I was, if I'm Orlando, I'm not really, I mean, would you do anything if you're Orlando? I'm just kind of enjoying this season and then I'm going to figure it out this summer. No, I would actually be more motivated to do something now because I'm going to have really? to start paying Paolo. Yeah. Cause I'm going like to have to pay Paolo and, and Wagner. You know, this is what you want to do is you want to look at your schedule of payments here and be like, all right, let's go out and sign somebody after this. Their two most expensive players for the Magic are Isaac and Fultz. And they're right. not even ridiculous contracts. Like, it's absurd when you look at their salary sheet. The top two guys are at $17 million. I mean, there's some teams you're like, how, how many guys do I have to go through before I get to $17 million right. a year? And they can and, match a lot of different trades. But what would you, if you were trying to get somebody for Orlando, who would it be? Clay what Thompson. Position? I'm just kidding. Clay Thompson. <laughs> What what position is it? Like a shooter? <sighs> Anthony Black's look nice, but you're right. Like if they're the fourth best team in the East and expect to like play in the playoffs, like that's that can't be what it is. And Fultz was really good for them. Like I think Fultz, it kind of so few people actually were watching Magic games last year. Yeah. You didn't notice like like this guy's actually pretty good. But Suggs has been awesome for him, but he's not a point guard. But I don't know that they need a point guard because Paolo should have the ball in his hands a ton. And and Franz should be initiating his own stuff off of screens because he's so good at it. Um, keep going. I jumped you. I just thought that was a pretty sobering back-to-back -back in Boston. I know they're fourth in the East, but we've seen teams overachieve in the first 25, 30 games, whether it's schedule or whether they just started off well or some other teams were slow starters. But 
They lost by 17 and 17 in Boston. And it just looked like teams that were on different levels. Like they had, in a playoff series, they'd have no chance. Whether they care or not, I don't know. I like OG for them, but I I think Masai's really tough to deal with. I mean, that's just kind of the scattering report on him. I mean, if he wants to be tough, that's great. I'm not criticizing it at all. But, you know, to your Van Vliet point earlier, like if you know you're not going to resign him, doesn't it make sense? Like, who are you? Like, who is Toronto? Other than they're, they're not any good. Like, I have not like any... multiple Toronto traits. Masai have... is the guy, Masai is the guy who dated a Sports Illustrated cover model like seven years ago. And now when he goes to bars, he just thinks. Oh, that's he, not true? Because I was going to say shout out. But... <laughs> no, no. I was, like that Raptors 2019 title win. He's now like a rational confidence GM guy. He's like, you know what we're going to do? We're not even going to trade Fred Van Vliet. We're just going to lose him. We're not going to get anything for him because I'm a side. I won a title three or four years ago. It's like, I, I just don't, this team, they've been unhappy for three years. They changed the coach. They ended up, you know, they lose Nick Nurse, who has been amazing in Philly. Um, they have an Ananobi and Siakam. Both of them are free agents at the end of the year. It doesn't seem like they have a plan for anything. And then, and everyone else in the league is like, yeah, Masai, he just, he does his own thing. I mean, I kind of respect it, which is why I brought it up, but um, it just feels like he feels no pressure at all because of that title. That's what it feels like. And and it's not, you know, everybody's got a scattering report on, on how, oh, this GM likes to do this and this GM likes to do that. And I mean, OG Ananobi, I don't know when he'll be inducted into the Hall of Fame for the number of trade rumors that he's like, well, you know, when you first were offered up for Durant, that's when we knew this guy could be mm. special. And then, you know, we, t- we turned down this trade for, for OG. Well, if they know that he likes Toronto and wants to stay there and the agents have kind of gotten on the same page as far as like, hey, this is how much it's going to cost. Uh, but I don't know what you'd be breaking up. It'd be one thing if Toronto were competitive. Like there's certain Toronto nights where I go, are they up 15 or down 15? You know, like, well, they're, I mean, Barnes has been question. great. Bar- it's Barnes team, you know, whatever the slippage was in his second year. Yeah, he is, he's back. Like, they, he's back and beyond. You know, I loved him coming in. And then his second year, I was like, maybe he's just going to be kind of a glue guy who's really skilled and does all these great things and plays defense against all these different players. Um, he's he's awesome. So you, you'd think you'd want to keep, something around him I, you know i would rather invest in og despite some of the health stuff in the beginning than i would siakam because siakam is is such a diminished version of who he's been you know if you go over his numbers like there's some stuff that'll tell you this is the worst he's been in five years now granted that's because a handful of his shots are going to barnes as he takes off and og gets more comfortable but even with van vliet gone siakam's attempts have gone down and he i could have this totally wrong i don't have any info on it at all but he, I, I don't like, does he want to be there? Like, I know he seemed to get like there was moments where he was unhappy with Nurse, but yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what you're hanging on to by just going to free agency with this group and then wondering if you're going to resign your own guys, or maybe nobody wants to pay Siakam the amount of money that he's going to have to make. Despite the fact that, like, I have, think we had two years we were doing our All NBA, and it's like, man, Siakam's like the 16th or 17th guy, so that's pretty crazy he was always, territory. Like, somewhere between yeah. the sixth and ninth best forward. The three-point shooting got worse every year, and now he's a liability. And that's, if you're trying to trade him to a contender, that's the first thing they're going to look at. Like, I had a Warriors trade a couple weeks ago where it was Wiggins and Kamingo for Siakam, which I thought made sense because I think the Warriors need to get bigger. Um, But then you can't have Siakam and Draymond 
as two of your five guys when neither of them can make a three. I just want to point out Ananobi, 15 points a game, four rebounds a game, three, 2.5 assists a game. And shoots 37% from three. You have to be the greatest defender of all time to, to command some of the prices that we've heard from these guys. Because basically, you know, our theory has always been pretty much anyone can score 15 points a game if they play 35 minutes so they're on a mediocre team. So defensively, he's certainly really good. I don't, I don't think he's life-altering. It's not like their defense, you know, it, I watch a team like Minnesota and could he play defense on the McDaniels-Edwards level with Gobert and Towns behind him? Sure. But I don't know. Like, I, that's why I thought like OG for RJ Barrett seems like a fair trade to me because I don't know if I'd want to pay him $35 million a year. Yeah, the perception value on that is that OG is like way better than RJ. Right? He's not. Just in our world of He's like not. how he gets talked about. Um, let's, take, uh, let's take another break. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay, that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. So we did most likely trade guys. My top two were Murray and Ananobi. Your number one was Mitchell. Who's your number two? D'Angelo Russell. I mean, this isn't going to be like sexy and creative. I know you yeah. love like the crazy ones, but when we saw the contract extension for D'Angelo, it was $17.3 million this year with a player option at 18.7. I don't know what the market was. It just kind of felt like, hey, we'll maybe overpay you, but make that second year player option. But with the understanding that you're going to be making enough money that could be traded, right? right. Like they almost We said needed, that in the moment when it happened. It was when it happened. a cap figure contract extension. Yeah, so it's pretty simple, but... I know in the past, I don't know what the updated latest of it is that LeBron really likes Zach Levine. And then you add the clutch thing into it. And like, I know people are saying, okay, mm -hmm. there's no market for Levine whatsoever. Never underestimate the power of an agent to find a way to get this done. I know Rich Paul has even said like, hey, you know, I have clients on all these teams. It doesn't mean that this is going to happen. I can't imagine that LeBron with his basketball IQ has enjoyed the D'Angelo Russell experiment. I don't want to hear about 
any of the raw numbers with him. He shot it really well this year. He's actually 10th and 4th quarter minutes on the Lakers, which is a little unfair because Hood Shafino and Gabe Vincent averaged out more but play less games. So let's say D'Angelo Russell's 8th and 4th quarter minutes on the Lakers, and you're paying him this. Watching it live, too, in the in-season tournament game, sitting next to you and watching him fuck up these passes. like in yeah. I've seen it enough for the years. The TV, everybody knows I'm not a fan, but then to watch it live where it's like, do you have any intensity to you? Is there anything that's intense about like big possessions and big decisions? So on top of that, he's been a net negative on defense his entire career. If you look at the box score stuff, I think that might be the fit of like what I know Chicago's hoping like what's the asset that we get? I mean, I don't know that anybody's in love with Rui Hachimura. And there's also some restrictions on when Levine can be trade and because of Rui's yeah. contract and that kind of stuff and when it clears. Um, but I think that's the simple fit because I know in the past LeBron did like Levine. Yeah, you've, you know, one thing I noticed last night at the Knicks game, you know, I just love watching Reeves and I I just think he's so underrated. And I mean, over and over again, I was going nuts that the Spurs didn't get him. I'll never understand that for the rest of my life. But I think it's so important to watch him, especially in the half court, that you can run offense through him and he can create shots for himself or other people like a point guard, even though he's not. But he plays so well with those guys. He's so inclusive that they don't need they don't need Russell when you have LeBron and you have Reeves at the end of these games, right? You need just somebody who can play off them, who can hit threes. I'm with you, Levine. You know, I don't think there's a Levine market. It's 40, and then it just keeps going up. It's three years after this in the 40s. Um, LeBron's not going to care because he wants to win now. And just watching what I watched last night where Cam Reddish was playing crunch time for them, and Zach Levine's better than Cam Reddish. Um, he's just more dangerous. You, think? you yeah. have to worry. Yeah, you I just mean, have to worry about not him a like little more. Z- you can not like Zach Levine. I don't think yeah. you're allowed to say that Cam Reddish is better than Zach Levine. I, I look at it. Better just, than Cam Reddish. He just hey, is. If the market's that depressed, and then you have, you know, the Bulls have actually won a bunch of games here with Levine out, which is his own topic. Which right? which was the most predictable thing of I, <laughs> the Kobe White part, I guess, wasn't predictable that he turned into what he's turned into, but. Yeah, like I had a couple Zach Levine trades and they're basically just salary dumps. Like one of them was him going to Detroit, right? And then, and, and <laughs> Chicago, what? Chicago for, getting for, Monty Morris and Joe Harris. And then Isaiah Stewart goes to OKC and Chicago gets Usman Dang. And that's basically what you get for Zach Levine. I had another one where Chicago gets Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier. And Charlotte gets Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball. And they could reunite the Ball brothers. And Lonzo's got a, a, a year left. Hayward's an expiring. Rogier's having a good year. I don't even think Charlotte would do that. And just every time somebody's like, oh, how can Zach Levine not have a home? Like, just go through all the teams and ask yourself who's trading for a guy that's averaging 40 this year. He's got three years left after that. And his team immediately played better as soon as he got hurt. Not to mention the eye test. He looked miserable and he doesn't play defense. So. This, to me, feels like a classic LeBron salvage. I'm with you. Like, this is, like, LeBron rejuvenated J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith was, like, basically out of, out of the league, and he figured out how to make him a guy who could play for three straight playoff series. I, I think he'll be able to figure it out with Zach Levine. And if he doesn't, he'll leave. Well, I, 
you know, you and I were talking last night. It's like, well, you know, normally in the past, it's like, hey, trade for this guy. And then it's like, it doesn't work. And I kind of agreed with the last night of the phone call. But I mean, how many more years does he have left that he would want to leave? Like, do you think there's another chapter to LeBron being like, hey, I'm going to chase a ring somewhere else and leave Los Angeles where it's clear that, you know, this is a place he wants to be? I don't know. I think I agreed with you last night on the phone. And then when I thought about it this morning, I was like, do we really think LeBron's going to have, does he have one more, I'm out of here? Like, Anthony Davis gets hurt. The trade doesn't work. They, and then he's like, hey, Let's go play it in Denver. I love skiing. <laughs> like, do you think he has that in him? <laughs> I think he's got this year and he got Davis the extension. And the only reason to stay next year would be his son's going to be a senior in high school. Right? So maybe you could say, all right, he's definitely got one more Laker year. I'll tell you this, from watching him in person a couple of times, it feels like he's got like three, four years left. This has turned into the Brady quarterback thing. I, if you told me he's going to play until 2027, I'd believe it. I have no I, counter. Yeah, no. I, he I, looks great. He looks fast. He's explosive. I was telling you last night on the phone, it was so funny to watch him on defense where he just is conserving max. He, he just doesn't move on defense. He's like, go to a Laker game. And I'm not even criticizing him on it. He just figures out the spots to stand where he can basically just rest. And which guys that he could just play off of and not have to move. And all he's doing is saving his energy for the other side or for click, quick, explosive stuff. And it's smart. It's what he should do. I think he can play for another couple of years. And if he feels like he can't win a title with this team, he's going to move on. He wants more rings. That's going to determine everything. It's not about like, oh, I want to go down as one of the great Lakers. He wants championships. That's it. You're right about how he finds his spots, which is a compliment to him. Um, the only time it bothers me is that I don't want you looking at your teammates for a bad defensive rotation when you were the mm. bad rotation. Okay, that's always going to bother. It bothered me when he was awesome and he did it uh, on defense. Right. And I have no issue with everything that you pointed out because I was noticing the last two last night too. Like he had Hardenstein as in this as his assignment, and he's like, okay, like if you're going to play him further away, I'm not going to deal with this. It may have been why Hardenstein had a ton of rebounds, but I'm. I'm amazed at the the stretch where in the beginning of the year I thought like oh he's he might this might be the first time we start to see some of those bad physical nights. Now he's usually due to miss about twenty plus games. Because the side to side stuff felt like it was a little sloppy the first month. The the he could still go up and down. Yeah, but going left right trying to stay in front of guys. It was the first time he started to look a little old. But I I think lately he's looked great. Well, that spin move that he had late in the fourth quarter at the baseline where he just went. I'm like, where did that come from? Like that Here, was. He, here's like a classic LeBron story. And this is why when everybody talks about how smart he is, like I, we were watching it and laughing as it was happening. They have a jump ball. And I forget who the jump ball was, but it was clear the Lakers were going to win and they were all lined up. And then LeBron all of a sudden is like, no, no, you go there, you go there. And he's like basically arranging the jump ball. And he ends up, it's on the Knicks side, Knicks basket. He's in the circle toward midcourt and he puts Davis closer to the basket. The tip goes to Davis and LeBron just fucking jets and Davis gets it and just whips it and LeBron gets a layup. But LeBron figured it out like 25 seconds before the jump ball. And I was like, this is why he's going to play till he's 45. Like he's just smarter than everybody. The Knicks had no idea he was going to do it. But it's just these little advantages that he has with the IQ and then the fact that when he goes to the basket, He's bouncing off dudes, and if it doesn't go in, they're going to call a foul because it's LeBron James. He just he has all these edges that he just uses game to game. It's really impressive. 
Yeah, the fact that the Knicks allowed themselves to line up that poorly on that big of a possession at a setter jump where you already know, like there's a gap for both teams because of the math of the other eight players, but the gap for the other team can't be towards their basket. It was was hilarious. Tibbs Tibbs had like almost a stroke watching. Yeah, I know. But to finish the LeBron part of it, like I expected the bad Dirk year by now where it's like you're still playing, but now it's over physically. And... Whenever that is going to happen, because I think he's going to have a really hard time not playing. Like everybody, when they're great, says, yeah. I don't want to play when I'm any ver- diminished version of myself. And you're like, yeah, that's what you guys all say until you're the diminished version. You start lying in the mirror. And then once you accept the truth, you're like, you know what? This is still fun. I can travel. I can t- you know, I'm still in the spotlight. Yeah. You know, whenever LeBron is playing, it's going to be a big deal. And that's going to be a hard thing for anyone to walk away from that kind of attention. But he's still good. He shouldn't walk away. Like what what, what would we be walking away from? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like the years that I thought like, hey, it's still kind of fun. He's around and they're restricting the minutes. But I mean, it's over. It's over. I can't believe it hasn't happened yet. So that means that you're right. If he wants to have those seasons, those seasons might be two years from now. Yeah. Like he could just go he could just be like, I really like what Minnesota's doing. I'm just going to join the Timberwolves. You really think just he would come do off that? The bench. I don't know. I think he wants rings. I don't know if he would do it. I think he wants I mean, rings. Unless it's, you know, the the back to the sun thing that's always been a, a big part of this. I mean, this hasn't been a secret. Like, does a team go, hey, do us a solid? But again, that team, the team that would do that would be a team that has, is just lukewarm. You know, like, hey, we'll we'll bring you. That's not a team. Yeah, that's it's winning like a, a six or a seven seed. Yeah. Um. One thing I, one thing I was thinking about with him compared to Brady, because Brady's the other one that it just kept going way longer than we expected. Brady had a couple tricks that he would play where you know he would just he wouldn't take he would try never to take big hits. He would always just get rid of the ball a second early, and he didn't care if it was incomplete. If he didn't like the play or the way it was unfolding, he would just dump the ball, which is LeBron's equivalent of. I'm just not going to play that much defense tonight and I'm going to save, I'm going to pick my spots. The difference is, I think why Brady stopped playing ultimately was he was still taking big hits, right? And once you hit 45, you're like, fuck this, man. I barely get out of bed the next day. LeBron still is physically dominant compared to these other dudes. Like he's laying out the hits. He's all, It's almost like a defensive player in football, not an offensive player. So I think it's going to keep going. All right. Let's take a break and then we got to talk about OKC. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? This is something I've thought about a lot over the last 25 years. Sometimes little kids enter your life. Sometimes you're just searching for that extra hour. Sometimes it feels like all of a sudden it's three o'clock, four o'clock. And it's like, where'd the day go? I barely did anything. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you so that you can make it a priority and therapy can help you figure that out. A therapist can guide you through the process of defining your values and understanding your priorities so you know what things you can spend your time on that will really fulfill you. Otherwise, you'll always be wishing for more time. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month, 10% 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bill Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Viator. Traveling is all about getting out there and experiencing something new and fun. I had this when I went to Sweden last year. I had to go for Spotify, rolled the dice. I was going alone, had some work friends there. That's it. And I'm like, what's going to happen? Get there. Haven't been to Stockholm ever. Walking around, having a great time. Just just immersed myself in a totally different culture. Really memorable. I remember like a hundred different things about it. If you want to make your next trip memorable, you need Viator. It's a website and app that'll help you book fun experiences and adventures all over the world. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences in over 190 countries, and it's flexible. They have free cancellation. They have various payment options, 24-7 service, and you can browse millions of reviews from real people so you can make sure you're booking the best adventure for you. They offer all kinds of adventures from simple walking tours to more extreme thrilling adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So that's one app that's over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Download the Viator app now. Use the code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. That's V-I-A-T-O-R with the number 10. All right, OKC, I think, can actually make the finals if they make a couple moves. And they have just an armada of picks. They have so many picks, I'm not even going to read you all of them, but it's... Please don't. They, they have great Houston picks. They have great Clipper picks. They have their own picks. It just keeps going and going and going. There's some marketing, Utah might trade marketing stuff that I don't know if I believe, and I don't know why they would. I don't really fully understand it, but there's been enough buzz about it that I think we have to take it seriously. Um, to me, he was like discount Dirk last year. He's on a good contract. He's still pretty young. He's in his mid-20s. He's the perfect guy to add to this OKC team because he's got size. They're shooting. I could just see him with the nucleus they have. And they have, they could trade. Bertans is expiring. Poku, Usman Dang. They Trey Mann, they could put in there if they wanted. They have a pick swap with Utah that they could just cancel. Um, they have Houston top one through four protected in 24 and 26. They have Clippers unprotected first. Like they could just go all in and get him and Olenek. And if they want to throw in Jordan Clarkson, we'll take him too. Um, if you were OKC, is that the guy you would target? I would definitely take him if he's available. I don't know why he'd be available. Uh, he's 26. He... You know, he had a weird start to his career. You know, it just didn't really click. There were some times even in Cleveland where I was like, ah, you know, I mean, he's going to be in the league, but I don't know. And then he turns into an all-star last season. And whether I believe him, you know, I got to interview him all-star weekend in person. Yeah. And he was telling me how much he loved it, you know, after kind of the, the ups and downs of the whole thing. Uh, he said recently in an interview, he wants to stay there. Okay. I know a lot of people say it. It just feels like when he's saying it with everything that he's gone through, he's like, we love it here when he's talking about his family and the whole deal. Yeah. So one of my biggest pet peeves or just one of the things I get the most annoyed about when teams are talking about rebuilding, it's like, so I'm not allowed to have any good players. Like everybody right. has to suck and everybody has to be 19. Like it doesn't make any sense. I mean, eventually I have to pay some people. If marketing is happy and wants to sign an extension in Utah and I'm Utah, I don't need more firsts. I also so like how he fits I with Kessler. Him. Yeah, him and Kessler together. I like the, I like the combo. But it's also like a, it's a Utah thing. Name me the top 50 players that want to play in Utah. How long's that list? All right. right. 
And it's it's not for everybody. You know, look, I like the place. But if Markin's like, no, I want to do an extension. And on top of all the other people that are not going to pay other than this John Collins disaster, uh, and he's available, shockingly. Uh, I just, I'm, I look, man, I, I would not be, you know, whether it was three first last year or no, it has to be five first or it has to do all these things. I don't, like if you're Utah, you need even more first that you can't trade for the next superstar that doesn't want to stay there. Marketing is good enough that he wants to stay. I have no interest in trading him if I'm Andrew it. My next guy for them would have been Jared Allen, but Cleveland doesn't have their picks. If Cleveland had their pick this year, you could talk yourself into, oh, let's got it. Moby's out. Garland's out. We'll trade Mitchell. We'll get a bunch of picks. We'll trade Jared Allen. We'll get more stuff. And Jared Allen makes a ton of sense for OKC um, because that's that's the big body. But I don't think they can get him. There's... Wendell Carter possibilities with them because I think Orlando has proven they don't necessarily need Wendell Carter with the with the team they have that they can kind of cheat around it and maybe they can get some assets or or get some assets that they can use for a different trade. His contract's only thirteen point five, um, and then that the one that I like the most, and this is the guy I like for the Celtics, um, Isaiah Stewart on the Pistons. I think could have a real moment on a contender. Like Big Stu? First, Big Stu, first of all, I think he's good. I think he's like, like if you just, the Celtics have a, a trade exception spot that I think he could fit in, but he's also a poison pill guy. So I think it gets complicated. I actually think it would be hard for them to trade for him. It wouldn't be hard for OKC to trade for him. The best thing about that dude is he the number one? I don't want to fuck with that guy in the league. Is there anyone you would put over him? James Johnson. He's not in the league anymore. No, didn't he just get picked up? Oh, he did? Yeah. All right, well... No, no, look, James Johnson's the default on all the things. So what I don't want to do is have you make a really good point and then be like, what about this guy? You're right, all right? You're right, and he can shoot. And it's, look, this Detroit roster is a really hard hard. thing to figure out. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it. I have one for you, though. What do you got? Would you do... Bertons. Quick aside on Bertons. Can you imagine the text thread with Poco and his buddies when Bertons gets minutes over him? <laughs> the Poku, the Poku have. <laughs> Would you do Bertons? And I don't know why we're both trading Usman Jang today because I love when he gets the minutes in there. I I love doing his draft stuff. Yeah, at some point you got to give up something. That. Yeah, that's the thing is like you have all these picks and you've been taking all these guys. Like I think some people forget Trey Mann's even on the Thunder. Yeah. Like, yeah, didn't he have a couple moments? Yeah. Right? Would you do Bertons, Jang, two of the, like, you know, let's say of, of their war chest of picks, like two good ones. You know, yeah. th- it has to be the two best ones, but two decent ones for Miles Turner. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I, I always thought hey, when we were in Vegas, people seemed to think Indiana was going to add. Like they were going to try to go after Ananobi or Paul George if he somehow became available or really try to get like a, a better wing. But now that they've gone the other way, maybe. maybe but what are the Pacers? That like seems the Pacers, like a lot. The Pacers are an awesome Halliburton story. Matherin's starting to go off a little bit more. There's, there's, you know, I don't know if there's a completeness to his game that is going to continue because I think Matherin was like this really dynamic, like I'm just going to drive on you all night long. 
but I don't know that everybody else felt like they were super involved when he had the ball in his hands. Turner mm-hmm. has been an adjusted ceiling guy for me where I was like, why does everybody talk this guy up all the time to like, look, there's no market for him. And now when I watch him, I go, you have to find a way to get some other kind of big body. Um, yeah. And Turner's going to pull one of the other teams, two bigs if it's Minnesota, one big if it's if it's a one big team in the playoffs because you have to guard him. Like I think Turner has had this bit of resurgence, and I always love that Turner Denver matchup. Um, you know, love is excessive here, but just how hard he played against Jokic, where the Thunder don't have anything there. So maybe it feels like it's too much. Bertans is involved because Turner's at twenty million. I I spend way too much time trying to figure out Turner to the Western Conference trades, and I really don't think the Pacers would necessarily be blowing up any team that has any kind of chance because they can't guard anybody. So on the flip side, if Indiana went the other way. Would you trade Matherin and Walker, the rookie who doesn't play, who is like the eighth pick in the draft, for OG? Is that too much? It feels a little quick on uh, Walker from Houston. <laughs> like you sent me a list of like this guy. You know, it's like well, I, I don't think know he's who an did asset. It. He doesn't play. So if you're Toronto, you could just flip in an Obi and a. Two two younger guys who are both lottery picks. That it's, actually feels like too much for Ananobi. It feels like a lot for him, but it's based on something we can't know. Like is OG re-signing in Toronto? If OG's re-signing in Toronto, I might be like, fine. If I'm if I'm blindly making that offer, well, excuse me, if Toronto calls me and says, Hey, we'll do OG for Matherin and Walker, and you figure it out with OG's guys, and then you go, okay, does OG have any interest in re-signing with the Pacers and the agents? And he's like, like we'll I s- actually don't. Yeah, yeah, it'd be like, we'll see how it plays out this summer, man. But we're, but we're renting. Um, then then I'm not. Then I'm not fucked. giving you. I'm not giving you Matherin straight up for him because at least Matherin's under control, and you know, I'm not worried about where he's going the next couple of years. The OKC, it, there's just less big guys available than I realized, which is why I, know. I think the Isaiah Stewart is such a good fit for them because cheap contract, even with the poison pill, they can figure it out. Like they can make it work with the contracts. They have all these picks. So they, I think he's worth at least a first. And looking at him for the, he's like literally the perfect guy for the Celtics. Like he's my number one, this is the guy I want for the Celtics because it doesn't touch their top six. He's tough. He's the kind of guy that in a playoff series with somebody clothesline Jason Tatum in the basket support and he was out there, the guy wouldn't do it a second time. Um, and I think OKC needs some toughness too. And I think he would play for them. Um, other than that, Turner's a good one. Um, Jared Allen is the only other one looking at all these contracts that feels like he might be available. Would you do Would you do like, uh, uh, look, you'd, you'd have to, whatever Oklahoma City scenario we're coming to the table with here, it's a, an imaginary, you know, it's a real pick, but I'm, I'm not going to go, oh, I yeah. want it to be this pick this year, the top whatever, because would you get in the Nick Claxton business if you were the Thunder or do you feel like, hey, now we have a less perimeter? No, I want size. I, I need, because I already have a skinny guy in Chet. Yeah, that's probably I need somebody I that like, oh, we're playing New Orleans in a in a playoff series and we literally can't guard Valanciunas because we don't have somebody on our roster who's big enough to to battle him. I got to say it. Kyle might have to turn on the TikTok camera. If you're OKC, okay, would you think about kicking the tires on Draymond?
Um, he fits, he fits kind of the profile of the guys they like, like somebody with the ball in their hands that can make decisions, can drive. I mean, the shooting part, even though his shooting numbers this year are good, I don't know that any of us necessarily think that number from three point is real. Uh, I might be, I might be willing to. Yeah. yeah I, th I feel like a month from now, if Golden State, if it's not starting to look better. And I, I said on my pod on Thursday, I still feel like the Draymond Steph connection and the stuff he does for Steph offensively is pretty special. But on the other hand, Golden State just might be, there might be other stuff that he's done that we don't even know about, and they just might be ready to move on. But I, I thought that would be an interesting gamble for OKC to just say, fuck it. Where's the money? Because I think this is why we keep landing on Usman Jang, because it's not going to be giddy at six and a half million. It's not going to be Well, Draymond's pretty low still, so they, you can do it with Bertans and one other contract. It's 20. It's 20. Bertans and Poku, and you're good. Yeah. And some but, picks. But, but Bertans and Poku. Well, and so picks. you're just going, you're just going, hey, we're going to get two picks out of this. Matching salaries two, and, and some picks, yeah. Two B-minus picks. Yeah. But the, well, you could also say we'll throw in Dang. Does Steph want to do it? That's the thing I don't know. And, and I guess we'll know in three weeks when Draymond comes back to, from wherever the hell he went. I have one really fun trade. Well, did we talk about Draymond Green straight up for Jared Allen? Just a straight up. We just did, I guess. No, this is the first on the pod. Just straight up. Just fucking take Draymond. Donovan Mitchell stays in Cleveland. Jared Allen, some size with Golden State. Just a straight up trade. I was trying to think who would say no to that. And I took a while. I, I don't even know. I think Golden State just because of the Curry piece. I don't think Curry wants Draymond traded, but I also don't know. And then Draymond, some I, toughness. Like that Cavs team has no identity and no toughness. And could he give them the toughness? The ways the the worst way to do this pod would be like you just say, and I'm no, that wouldn't happen for all these different reasons. So I don't want to do that to you. But give me the Cleveland motivation. We don't want to trade Mitchell. We don't like the offers out there. We are still at least a playing team. We have really good offense. We were good last year. Draymond next to Mobley makes more sense than Allen next to Mobley. Um, we now have a defensive identity and a leader. We didn't have that before. The counter would be, why the fuck would we trade for Draymond? He's been, looks like he's losing his mind. Yeah, strong counter, strong counter. Would you do, <laughs> <laughs> would you do some version of Bertans just because we keep landing on him with a 17 million salary this year? Well, they, they uh, gave him 500K extra so they could trade him before right. the deadline. So we know they're trading him. So would you do that, if you're Atlanta, would you do the, are there, is there a pick package there that would make sense for you to move off a of Capella, even though you probably like your Okongwu Capella pairing? You know, like we're, the problem is we're taking pieces away from teams that may not look great, but, you know, they may not be in the business of being like, okay, so cool. Now, now we have an issue with our big rotation. Why are we doing the Thunder this favor? Would you overpay a little for Okongwu if you're going to grab a Atlanta guy? Because he makes more sense to me if I'm OKC. I'm like, hey, I know you're offering us Capella, but let's talk about the other guy. What's it going to take? Because they could go 130 cents in the dollar for anyone they want. But that's the type of guy they need is him. You know, they need size, shot blocking. I'm just thinking like I'm in the West. I might have to play Minnesota in a series. I might have to play Denver. I might have to play freaking New Orleans with Jonas. Like I need... 
I need size. It can't be Chet Holmgren. That's too much to ask. I don't want to put 3,000 minutes on Chet Holmgren banging bodies with everybody. It's crazy. So they have to get somebody. All right, I'm going to give you my favorite dumb trade. This solves a lot of issues for me. Um, the Knicks get Bogdanovich from Detroit. Another shooter. Detroit gets Doug McDermott and, and Chetty Osmond from San Antonio. The Knicks cancel the protected pick they owe Detroit. And they give them Dallas's 2024 first. So that they basically get two picks for uh, Bogdanovich. San Antonio gets Evan Fournier and Killian Hayes. Two French guys for Wemby. And a little Killian Hayes resurgence on a team that desperately needs a point guard. And now Wemby has French guys to hang out with. I'm That's reading Napoleon right the now. Day. Huh? I'm reading Napoleon right now. Fascinating. <laughs> you like it? How, which Napoleon book? The Napoleon book. The Napoleon book? Yeah, about 800 plus pages into it. Um, What's biggest highlight so far? He's He had a lot of heartbreak earlier on with the old ladies. And uh, he said that love is the distraction of the warrior, which I related to. <laughs> You've been preaching that for a while. It's like, finally, <laughs> this guy gets it. What's, uh, it. what's your what's your iconic phrase? I'd rather be. Oh, I'd rather I'd, be I'd rather be alone than, than annoyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like Van, Van was with me at my house when I said it, and it was like quiet for five minutes, and he was like mowing it over. He was like, "Man, what you just said fucking spoke to me." <laughs> So. <laughs> Napoleon, uh, he would he would send the ladies telegrams on his way home from whatever battle and tell them, "I'm going to be home in two weeks. Don't bathe." Three it's days. A he was a big. Was, he was a big yeah. non-bather. <laughs> no, he was a uh, he was a fan of the natural musk. He liked the odors. He right, was an yeah. odor odor but fiend. <laughs> in this book, it says it's three days. Four. Three was, days. Okay. Four. Two weeks something. is a long time, especially for those you know that era. Uh, right, but yeah, he got my... worked. His his first wife just cheated on him all the time, and she apparently didn't smile any portraits because her teeth were completely black from shuck, uh, sucking on sugar cane in one of in one of the territories in the West Indies. So well, not they didn't a, have crest white strips back then, right? Not great choppers, apparently. But yeah. Napoleon was all in, and she still cheated on him. So it's Damn. unfortunate. Sounds like yeah. a great book. It's it's awesome, you know, because it's uh, I believe it's a fair account of of, uh, you know, military genius and a, and a complicated man. And at times a, a, a tyrant on top. Does of it go else. into the Napoleon complex? Uh, I haven't finished it yet, but I'll let you okay. know. I'll text you immediately. Okay. So let's go over the, uh, French revolution trade that you have there. Um, that's it. I just, I'm getting just, Evan Fournier's expiring and killing Hayes on the Spurs. Uh, no surprise. I really hope the Spurs trade for some sort of point guard. And I don't know what the fuck they're doing this year. I will never understand the Sohan thing. They finally kind of gave up on it. I don't understand why they're so happy with just throwing away Wemby's first season and putting him in weird spots with players who don't really seem to make him better. And I don't, there's lots of point guards out there. They can get anybody. They can freaking get Monty Morris from Detroit. Like, just go get more point guards and put the guy in a position to succeed. I think it's weird. And I, I really, the pop thing, Belichick takes so much shit, but I mean, there's way more 
kind of stealth whispering about what the fuck is Pop doing like in NBA circles. I, I think he's had a really strange couple seasons. I thought grabbing the mic was super weird during the Kawhi game. And I think thinking Sohan could play point guard was just ridiculous. I didn't understand it at all. Um, and I don't think they put Wemby in a position to succeed this season. I loved the experiment because I like Sohan so much that I even tweeted out, there's nothing that I've been more in favor of that doesn't make any sense in recent mm. NBA history. Like I was Well, you were right about the not it. making sense part. Right. But what I what I didn't understand, and look, Harala Bob, who I have a ton of respect for, you know, and KOC, who does a great job on all this stuff, like when I was like, what's the point of this? Like I tweeted it out and they both kind of like, KOC disagreed with me and then Harala Bob disagreed with me. And I'm like, look, we all understand that they don't win, plan on winning games, but you didn't need to play Sohan, a point guard, to, to lose games. You were going to lose games already. So that, that part of it. And then it was like, oh, well, you know, with Draymond, you know, I saw a lot of this too. With Draymond, you know, he was, he was this multi-talented guy. Who had, like Draymond's 10 times the passer Sohan was when he was in college. So yeah. to ask Sohan to then become this guy that understood this stuff, it didn't make any, There was just so many bad possessions. And I think despite it being good-natured in trying to expand the palette for Sohan here, it also meant the other four guys were miserable a lot of those possessions because you couldn't get an entry pass in. He'd pick up his dribble way too early. He would lose stuff in transition because he was starting to think when Sohan's best ability is just to go out there. It's like the Tari Eason thing. Hey, just go check in the game and wreck right. it. And that's who Sohan is, even if it was cool that there was this ceiling that he could be this kind like of playmaker. I, I like, I'd want him on my team. Like, you know, we go and talk about some of these guys and get hard. I'm like, Evan Mobley, 30 teams should still want Evan Mobley, but yeah. the ceiling feels like it needs to be adjusted on him. Sohan's the same exact guy, but I think you're being dismissive of how just the game works. And if you're one of the other four guys, you could even see it with Vassell where it's like, dude, I'm not getting the ball back to you because you're just going to clog us up and like not know where you're going or make the wrong pass. And, you know, look, they they finally kind of pulled the plug on it with maybe, you know, look, if you want to do it, why can't he do it with the second unit on one of the second unit things? He shouldn't do it on any unit. He can't run fast breaks. He can't throw an entry pass. He would pick up his dribble 45 feet from the basket and he he wasn't a good enough shooter. Like there's... No piece of him that's a point guard. And I just thought it was stupid. I, I said before in another previous episode, it reminded me of when PJ Carlissimo decided KD was a seven-foot shooting guard. And it was like, no, this guy, people don't realize he's a shooting guard. It's like, no, actually, you know what he is? He's he's a forward. He's going to be the one of the greatest scoring forwards of all time, you moron. What are you doing? Um, well, I hated easy it. on PJ. I like PJ. I just thought that was stupid. Um, here's my big trade to throw you. This is my, this is my showstopper. Okay. Why can't the Spurs trade for Cade Cunningham? They could give Detroit their first round pick, which will be a top five or top six pick this year. Toronto's first this year, which is top six protected. They could give them Atlanta's 25 first and throw in Chicago's first that's protected for three years starting in 2025 and ends up being top eight protected in 27. Like, just say fuck it. Wemby's special. Like, what what are we waiting for? This draft isn't even like that great. Let's go get Cade Cunningham now. Detroit's a mess. Cade's stock is low. He's looked bad this year. He looked good last night, but he's looked bad this year. What does it take? Hey, Detroit, just tell you tell us. What do you want? 
can have a bunch of picks, feel great about yourselves. Start over, new GM. Start out, start over with a little war chest. The K thing didn't totally work because in year three, you're going to have to pay him in two years. You don't even know what he is. Let's go. Let's make a deal. I spent 20 minutes trying to find Cade trades, knowing full well it was a waste of time because to our Jalen Green point earlier, you're not trading Cade. Like it can be awful. They could lose every game the rest of the year. The front office doesn't want to turn to the fan base and be like, okay, you know, we we screwed it up with him and then have him go place. You, like you'd rather ride it out and have him be really well, the front office would have, but if, if I'm firing everyone in the front office and I'm Tom Gores and I'm like, that didn't work. We had the first fifth, seventh and seventh picks in the draft and we just lost 23 games. Well, Gore so should I suspend. I mean, he can't fire himself, but he should at least suspend himself for giving Monty Williams the most money ever as a coach. Because first of all, there was nothing oof. that told you that Monty Williams is going to come in and fix it. It was a roster that was so bad it wasn't going to be fixed in the first place. If anything, you should have gone on the cheap with a coach. But when you right. don't think your team is going to be any good, you think, hey, we're bringing in this headliner. Like the Celtics kind of did it with Doc in the past, but at least it was Doc. This was Monty Williams who didn't even get into the playoffs with Phoenix until Chris Paul got there. So yeah. like, there's Monty stuff that we can go through and be like, you're going to bring him in, who then decided to like, look, you're not going to be any good. So now Killian Hayes is going to be running stuff. And then you had these lineups out there where it's Duran and then another big and then another non-shooter, maybe Alec Burks and Cade. The Cade numbers are scary. Zach Cram of the Ringer, who did that breakdown of him, did a fascinating job. And it was also a pretty heavy indictment of like, hey, why can't Cade shoot? I don't believe he can never shoot again. He was 40% for uh, from three in college. He's not the most athletic guy that's above the ring and all, rim and all that stuff. You know, Shea... SGA isn't like the most dynamic finisher and all this stuff uh, athletically. He just has every single angle down and all the updates and all this stuff. He's big enough to run pick and roll where it should actually work. And you'd like to have more spacing. You'd like to have more shooting out there instead of this collection of centers that Detroit's fascinated with. So there's some Cade stuff that I'm definitely worried about. I don't know that it's ever going to work out here. I don't think the Pistons ever, tra I don't think franchises would trade somebody like this, but like I kept going like, what would actually make sense for Detroit to go back to the fan base and say, hey, we're already moving off of the number one pick from three years ago, so bear with us. I don't, I don't know that that would happen, but I'm with you. I want to find another place for him to see if he has a chance because a lot of it's on him, but I see a lot of possessions where he starts it and then everything gets screwed up and then he ends up with the ball again. And you're like, okay, well, you know, maybe he's just not good enough to bail you out of all those possessions, but I don't know that he's yeah. actually set up to succeed either. So I'm just not sure. I'm just not like, is this who he's actually going to be? Because again, that piece on the ringer is telling you like, hey, the guy that hits this profile the first three seasons and granted he missed a big chunk of one, like those guys are not difference makers. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is, would be the case for trying to sell high and talk in San Antonio and giving up some picks. This is the NBA we grew up with in the 90s. They would, especially point guards. Teams would give up on point guards. Think of all the point guards who just got traded in the 90s. Jason Kidd got traded twice. Kenny Anderson got traded. Stephon Marbury got traded. Terrell Brandon got traded. Sam Cassell got traded twice. Like guys just bounced around at early parts of their career. Teams would get frustrated. They'd move all these different reasons for it. And now it's the opposite. Everybody's just terrified to trade a guy they drafted because they don't. They don't want to take shit, it seems like. But in this case, I would think about it. I would just completely start over if I was Detroit. Like a complete, I would get rid of everybody who was involved in any of the decisions for the last five years. Sorry, guys, here's a watch. Here's a little bonus. You're done. Um, and I, I would just start over and try to grab picks. I guess the only problem with grabbing picks 
in the 24 draft is people don't really seem to like this draft. Well, they don't like it now, but I'm telling you right now, once we get to April, you're going to just see a bunch of guys go, you're like, hey, you know what? Like, there's some talent in this. Yeah. There's some guys. That happens every year. But yeah, there's no, I mean, Cade was one of the celebrated top picks. Like, it wasn't just, hey, he went one. It's like, oh, you're going to get Cade. Like, you knew what you were getting when you got number one. And I have to admit, like, I don't know if it's just wrong. Like, hey, he wasn't that good. Here's all the negatives. And now they're accentuated in this league. He can't seem to finish at the rim. I don't understand why he can't shoot anymore. But just his simple playmaking at that size, like, that's supposed to work. It's supposed to work. And again, I'm not absolving him from all of it, but it felt like, felt like a mess. And then the Ivy Minute stuff in the beginning, and that's the other thing too. Like, it's just, it's the forever argument in the NBA. The front office is like, we need to get these guys minutes. And then you see it with Chauncey Billups, where after two weeks of Scoot Henderson looking terrible, and he's been better lately, he's like, I'm going to finish with Malcolm Brogdon because I'm the coach and I want to win tonight's game. Yeah, And those two things are never perfectly aligned. They can say they are, but they're not perfectly aligned. But when you pay Monty more than anyone who's ever been paid to be just the head coach, and he decides he wants to bring Ivy along slowly instead of figuring out how the Ivy Cade thing is and get the reps, you're going to stink anyway. And it's like, no, I'm going to still fuck around with this Killian Hayes thing. You're just going, like, if you're in the front office, you're going, what, what are we doing? Well, it's, the, it's a little like the Patino thing a million years ago with the Celtics. When you give a coach that much money, he thinks he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Right. It's the, it's the worst situation to be in, an expensive coach with a bad team. We've seen this not work out over and over and over again in NBA history. The last guy, and then we'll go. There's no chance Porter Jr. would be on the table in the next two months, right? I spent, I came up with a Porter Jr. to Detroit for Cade trade. <laughs> oh, wow. It's so stupid. Because it's like, would Detroit ever be like, all right, now... <laughs> Today, today is the first day of the rest of our lives. We have Michael Porter Jr. I mean, he's just not that guy. He's he's complimentary to everything else that's going on. Because if you look at Denver's, Denver has that classic roster that like the Celtics had a couple years ago where it's all top-heavy giant salaries and then small salaries, right? And there's no way for them to get anybody in the middle. But there is a way if they put Porter on the table, which you could say, well, he's our fourth best guy. Could we turn him into two pieces, three pieces? I, I love was, where you're at. I love where you're thinking. Because I was looking at the Porter Jr. going, do they go, hey, let's be even better? Like, we're not disrupting something that won a title. We're we're maybe picking somebody off that's even better. Go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, you didn't interrupt me. Well, I was looking at Portland. Because Porter Jr., his salary cap figures at 33.4. He's got four years left. Portland's got that guard-heavy roster. You know, could you put Brogdon in there? Could you? Could it be a Jeremy Grant return? Could you put them? I don't think you'd want with a guard. I think the Porter Junior. Gordon thing works better than a Grant Gordon pairing, right? And we're just kind of figuring this out. Like, could it be Simons and Tybal together once those guys can get traded in January? But like, it feels like a two for one, where Portland gets rid of a guard and gives them one of their swing guys who can play defense. And then Portland gets to take a real flyer on on Porter here, which they would, you know, if you end up with Scoot and you still have Sharp and you have Porter and you have Aiden, like, and now I'm getting excited. I've got some size. I got some length. And Porter, 
you know, he won the title last year. It's not like, I'm sure he'd be sad to leave Denver, but at the same time, he's like, all right, well, I won a title. Now let me prove I can be a guy. So there's something there, but I, I don't, I, I'd be surprised if Denver did anything. Cause yeah. I just think, you know, why would you, we, we thought they were going to win the title. I haven't seen anything this year that makes me think I'm worried about that yet. Um, so no, I just wanted to have the, I just wanted to talk it out. Simons is better than Porter. So mm. why would you do that if you're Portland, right? First of all, I don't think they would do it anyway, because I just don't think Porter's like, yes, we got him. I mean, that's why I was laughing at myself as I was trying to figure out some Cade thing. Well, and he also has that, the, the, the back stuff, and I'm sure there's physicals that you could have with him where you'd be like, oh my God, whoa, yeah. what's that? Right. So, I mean, we didn't even bring that up until just now. So that adds, I like what you're doing though with Denver. Like, is there a new ceiling? for Denver was some kind of piece there. But I think the health thing is probably where we should have started with the Porter Jr. On top of what he is, because he's still, you know, he's an incredible shot maker. I think he's still kind of a limited dude. Um, and so you're bringing in like, hey, this guy makes a ton of shots and he's huge, but you know, I don't, I don't really it know how he's like good. It just feels like Portland has a spare guard to trade. Either it's Simons or... Uh... It's Brogdon before it's Sharp, or Scoot, or Simons. I mean, certainly it's not Scoot because they just yeah. But it would have guy. to. Denver's not doing if it's Brogdon and Tybal for Porter. They're not doing that. They're just keeping no. what they do. So that, that's why I don't think there's a trade there. But I think the the risk for Denver is the league is so much better, and especially the top half of the league, the the top seven eight teams are just better than they were last year. And if you go back and you think about the road that they had last year to win the title versus the road they're going to have this year, especially if they're not a top seed and they don't have home court in a couple rounds. It's just going to be harder for them. The league's fucking loaded, you know? And and instead of Miami waiting for them in the finals, it, it might be a Boston team that has a ton of size. It could be a Philly team that has Embiid playing the best he's ever played that we didn't even mention Philly in any of these trades. They have so many expirings. I don't even know. I don't, I don't even know what they need. But okay, but where, we, where's the Philly trade? Like, I was trying to find a Keldon Johnson from San Antonio to Philly trade because you know, Vassell seems like he's ahead. When I don't know if I God. would... Would you mess with it? I mean, did you see the, the plus minus with the Batum minutes when Batum plays with basically all the other good guys? They're like fucking great. I mean, I know they've had an easy schedule. And I know it's going to come back to earth a little bit, but... Easy it schedule? It seems like they need tall guys <laughs> with three-point shooting. It's been... Like, it's the fourth easiest schedule so far. Yeah. So like, the net rating gonna... stuff. Look, they're going to be good. They're in the top three in the East. No one's dismissing of that. But this this run in December in particular, I'm like, when are they when are they going to play somebody? Uh, although right. they destroyed. I mean, they took the soul of the Lakers there that one night. So they I know did. everybody in Philly is going to be like, oh, you guys are just doing the bot. And no, it's just the reality that every time I turn on Philly right now, I'm like, oh, they're already up 20. Like, I don't need to watch any more of this game. I don't know where the piece is. Like, who... And and does Daryl keep the powder dry there with this summer? Does he not want to disrupt Well, that? there's that piece too, but they could, I mean, you keep one of Batum, Covington, put them with Morris, you're at 30 million bucks already. If you want to improve just the, the Melton spot, and I like Melton, I think he's been good for them, but that gets you to 38. You just have a lot of options. When you look at their spot track, it's hilarious. It's like eight, eight, expirings in a row. It's like Daryl's wet dream. So I'm just not, I haven't watched them enough in enough games against good teams to know what they're missing. 
So I'd probably wait a month on that. I like Melton. You know, I do too. I don't like people can look at Harris as this big expiring, but it's such a big number. It's just south of forty million. And you're like, okay, what? Like, what are you? What are you using that? Who? It's costs- only like ten guys that make more money than him. Right. Like who? Who costs that much that the other team wants to get off of? You yeah. know, if Clay had some resurgence, okay, cool. Now we get Clay. All right, but why does Philadelphia, or excuse me, why would Golden State want an expiring Tobias Harris? Um, and I, and I just Golden don't State- like Levine for them. Do you? I, I don't no. think that's a good move for them at all. That would have been the natural move this summer, thinking like, oh, they're going to have all these expirings and they could just get Levine for the expirings. But I wouldn't do that if I was them. I don't know if they can overpay for an OG, but Philly doesn't seem to have the player piece because anybody's that's good. They're going to want to keep, you know, Batum's been nice, but there's no market for him or Covington. Is there um, a Kuzma? Could you turn Covington and Morris and a couple picks and a Kuzma and just call it a day? It's not yeah, like probably. Make them worse. That's probably yeah. the makes the most sense, right? Yeah. I think everybody except Koulibaly is available from Washington. Maybe that's where the Daniel Gafford, Oklahoma city thing comes in. Maybe that's Ooh. what, maybe we should have led with that. Oh, that's a good one. I like that one. All right, Rosillo, you're still doing your pod three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, this is your time. Bowl season, football playoffs, basketball trades, Napoleon. You're yeah. just, you're just peaking right now. Basketball's taking a back seat to Napoleon, but I, I promise to start watching more games in February once I'm done with it. Are you doing a Napoleon, an all Napoleon pod over the break? We're having the author on. Let me give the author a shout out here on the podcast um, because we've been working. Wow, you're, you went that far? You're going to have the actual author? How old is this book? Uh, I think it's only um, like five or six years old. Yeah. So, oh no, it's uh, it's eight years old. Okay. okay. Uh, by the way, the age rating on this one, 18 and older. So just to let you know, oh. we, were, we were teasing a bit there. It can get spicy. The it is Andrew Roberts, who apparently is also a member of parliament in England and a baron. So we're going to have to put on a nice shirt on when we interview him for a recap of the book that, again, is going to take a little bit more time to get through. All right, Rosillo, good to see you. Thanks. Merry bro. Christmas. Happy holidays. Yeah, Merry Christmas. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Rosillo. Thanks to Steve Cerruti, Kyle Creighton. I will see you on this feed on Thursday. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.